Star Wars 7x7 episode 2727. All right, we're going to continue our dive into War of the Bounty Hunters, which is the last big story involving Boba Fett prior to the events of Return of the Jedi and the last one that we haven't talked about that takes place prior to the events of the Book of Boba Fett. Punch it! Hey Rebel Razor, I'm Alan Voivod, and this is Star Wars 7x7, your daily dose of Star Wars joy. Thank you so much for joining me for it. So let's talk War of the Bounty Hunters again, just to give you the quick recap of what this whole thing is. It has to do with Boba Fett taking Carbonite Han Solo to Jabba the Hutt, but it goes awry after the Empire Strikes Back because Han starts thawing out, and so Boba Fett takes him to some black market doctor on Nar Shaddaa, the Smuggler's Moon, and although Carbonite Han is stabilized and refrozen. He is stolen from the doctor and now Boba Fett <laughs> is without his bounty. Jabba's mad and puts an enormous bounty on Boba Fett's head and all heck breaks loose around the bounty hunters because now there's an open bounty on the notorious Boba Fett and everybody's got in for him. And so today we're going to start with War of the Bounty Hunters issue one and we'll deal with the second crossover issues of each of those four series. War of the Bounty Hunters issue one is the actual only issue in which Boba Fett appears in this set of issues and it has to do with him in the aftermath of losing Carbonite Han. He decides to try to investigate but he doesn't get much investigating done because the investigation sort of comes to him in the form of four LOM and Zuckus. We were talking about them yesterday. They beat Valence and Dengar to Nar Shaddaa and have a confrontation with Boba Fett. Boba Fett gets the better of them. Surprise, surprise. I guess that's what we had to expect. Zuckus gets kicked off a landing pad. Again, I don't think we can assume Zuckus is dead just yet unless we <laughs> see the body, right? And somebody pronounces him dead who cannot be <laughs> countermanded or anything like that. And Boba <laughs> cuts off 4LOM's head and plugs it into Slave One's computer to find out exactly what's going on. So that's how he learns that Jabba's put a bounty on Boba Fett's head. And so Boba goes to Tatooine to try to square things with Jabba, meets up with Bib Fortuna, and there are a whole bunch of bounty hunters there. Surprise, surprise. And Boba says, hey, look, you can try to kill me, and some of you are going to die. Maybe a lot of you are going to die, but nobody really wants to die here today, right? And do you want to die for this guy? And he points at Bib Fortuna. He doesn't mention anything about Jabba, but he's like, yeah, you're going to die because this guy brought you out here to try to come kill me and absolutely everybody stands down. Nobody wants to take him on. And so Bib Fortuna just gets completely embarrassed in front of all these bounty hunters by Boba Fett. And I feel like that might be something to keep in mind for a little bit later, considering how summarily dispatched Bib Fortuna is in the stinger at the end of season two of The Mandalorian. But it turns out Jabba actually isn't there because he's received a mysterious invitation to go to some sort of auction, something to that effect, they're not sure what it is, for Han Solo. And that's how Boba Fett finds out that Crimson Dawn is back. Crimson Dawn is the organization that extends the invitation to this auction. We find out that Crimson Dawn is the organization that stole Han Solo out from under Boba Fett. 
And as they're traveling to this auction, the various huts of the Hut clan are talking about Crimson Dawn and say that they haven't been heard from in years. They haven't made any moves for years. And so to put that into context, Darth Maul, who used to be the head of Crimson Dawn, we don't necessarily know if he still was the head of Crimson Dawn when he died in Star Wars Rebels in 2 BBY, or if he was just on leave of absence when AWOL, something like that. But at the very least, that would make it five years from his death until this particular story that takes place in 3-ish ABY. And Jabba makes a bit of a reference to Maul, though doesn't name him. It says that it would be surprising to think that he'd been in the shadows all this time, and so he thinks that somebody new is in charge of Crimson Dawn, must be in charge of Crimson Dawn, and considers the possibility that said person may have killed Maul in order to take command of Crimson Dawn, and therefore we shouldn't necessarily underestimate this person. Well, the big review which was, of course, all over social media back in June of this year, is that Crimson Dawn is under Kira's leadership. And she's the one who sent out invitations far and wide to get everybody to show up for this auction. Basically, this is her big play to put Crimson Dawn back on the map as a unique and useful criminal syndicate in the galaxy. And it was Kira who delivered the message on the invitations that everybody received but she was hooded and disguised so nobody knows that it's her but Boba Fett sees this hooded person saying yeah come to our auction and Boba says I said somebody was gonna die by the time this was over now I know who it's gonna be so now Boba Fett wants to kill Kira so there you go and real briefly let's run down the notable events of the crossover issues that play along with War of the Bounty Hunters number one. So there's Bounty Hunters number 13 in which Valence and Dengar arrive on Nar Shaddaa, but too late, Boba Fett is already gone. However, Chewbacca is there. So this actually takes place within the events of the Star Wars issue 13 that came out in May. And Chewbacca and Valence actually make up from their misunderstanding that we talked about on yesterday's episode and Chewbacca also gets to punch the living snot out of Dengar, which is very satisfying. And after Dengar wakes up, they go and meet Dengar's arms dealer contact that they were going to go searching for and find out that Crimson Dawn is back on the scene, that they've been ordering weapons from this particular arms dealer, but not just normal weapons, like exotic stuff apparently, and says that I shouldn't be telling you this or they'll kill me, and is immediately <laughs> killed by some kind of sniper. But before he dies, he manages to tell Dengar and Valence what happened that Crimson Dawn stole Carbonite Han Solo out from under Fett. Dengar says, that's ridiculous. Nobody could get the drop on Fett like that, which is just yet another sign that Dengar is just, oh, mind-numbingly idiotic. Oh, I'm just so not a fan of that character. Oh, gosh, just so smackable. Again, very glad that Chewbacca showed him what was what that issue. Oh my goodness. And in the meantime, there's a side story that happens where the Mourner's Whale Syndicate, which we talked about in a previous Valence issue situation, well... Crimson Dawn actually stormed their citadel deep in hut space and have now taken over the Mourner's Whale people. So yeah, some big stuff is going on with Crimson Dawn for sure. I swear, every time I think of Dengar, I think of that line of Hermione Granger's from the very first Harry Potter where she goes, what an idiot. <laughs> every single time. All right. 
Moving on, let's talk about the flagship title. This would be Star Wars issue 14. And we find out that Leia gets the word about this auction happening because of Vice Admiral Holdo. Yeah, well, not necessarily Vice Admiral <laughs> at this point in time, but Vice Admiral Holdo from The Last Jedi has been at this time in the galaxy's history coordinating to establish supply chains with various criminal syndicates for the rebellion. And that's how she managed to hear the scuttlebutt about this auction happening. Well, Leia says, we're going to go and try and get him and I'm gonna pose as just some wealthy queen from a backwater planet and outbid everyone and Lando who's along on this job even though Chewie is really doubtful about Lando's presence and involvement in this says yeah the Crimson Dawn people are barely people and there's no way this is going to work and you can't outbid a whole syndicate let alone multiple syndicates and so we're going to have to do this a different way and they end up basically flying to the planet where the auction is happening <laughs> clipping a black sun ship as it comes out of hyperspace which then the black sun people start chasing them down lando's able to make some fancy I mean actually no it's not lando it's chewy because lando and leia are arguing while chewy makes an incredible maneuver that is very reminiscent of the maneuver that we saw at Starkiller Base in The Force Awakens where they just skid across <laughs> the Earth at a very low altitude. Well, you know, it was low and then it was no altitude at all and get nearby the Vermilion, which is the Crimson Dawn ship on which the auction is taking place. And now they just have to hot-foot it over there and sneak in. Then there's Darth Vader issue 13, where continuing on with the conversation that Vader and Ochi of Bastoon are having with Baku the Hutt, apparently a bunch of bounty hunters went toward Nar Shaddaa, but a droid crew went in a different direction. And so Baku says, hey, maybe we should see what they know. And so they go off to where these droids are. It turns out it's some group called the Droid Crush, which it sounds like has appeared in previous comics. I, I don't know about them. I just know that apparently Apparently they had some sort of assassination attempt against Vader on Mustafar and it didn't work out and they know of Ochi of Bastoon as well. So basically it turns out that this is just a big trap. Baku the Hutt essentially tried to set Vader up to you know, just unleash the orbital weapons of his war barge on him while he was down on the planet to no avail and of course Vader's like what did you learn about me Baku and Baku's like I thought you can't be defeated nur. and that is the end of that but what also happens there is rather surprisingly IG-88 showing up and somehow having the ability to hack Vader's armor to the point where in the midst of their battle he just clicks a remote control and Vader's like ah and starts bringing his own lightsaber to his neck Vader just forced yanks the remote away from IG-88 and <laughs> knocks IG-88's head off and that as they say was that sort of but apparently IG-88 later is able to reattach it and go off to report to the people who were able to help him slice Vader's armor that's a whole different story but the point that you need to know for this is that Vader takes IG-88's head while he has it and finds out that the droids on this little you know out of the way place were scanning and slicing signals to try and find out what was going on with the whole Han Solo thing and they get a hold of the Crimson Dawn invitation so this is how Vader comes to learn of this whole auction business. 
And last but not least is the Dr. Afra issue. It's issue 11. And this issue is actually also notable for an entirely unrelated reason. The character Dirge from the Clone Wars, not the Clone Wars, but Star Wars Clone Wars, the webisode series created by Gennady Tartakovsky in between Attack of the Clones and Revenge of the Sith way back when, that is now Legends. But this character Dirge was created for that and was hugely popular and has now been brought into the canon thanks to a brief appearance at the very end of Afra issue 10 and deeper involvement during Afra issue 11. Story-wise though, related to the whole Crimson Dawn thing, what you need to know is that Dr. Afra and Son of Staros arrive on the ship where this Drake guy, the arms dealer, who was supposed to be going to this big opportunity thing is supposed to be, and he's dead and everybody on the ship is dead and there are these crazy creatures called Cy emotes on there and Afra and Son of Staros are able to escape and actually end up tricking Dirge into bringing all the Psymotes into an airlock and then expelling them all out into space, including Dirge himself. So yeah, they did him dirty. But while they're there, they find the invitation to the Crimson Dawn auction. They contact Lady Domina Tag of the Tag Corporation to let her know what's happened. And Domina says, yeah, you're going to go there as my representatives and try and find out as much as you can about all these syndicates while you're there without getting caught in the process. And so there you go. That's round two of the War of the Bounty Hunter situation in which Boba Fett finds himself on the run and starting to turn things to the offensive while a whole bunch of other interested parties get involved in the shenanigans and we start to see the chess pieces moving into place. So there you go. That's going to do it for this episode of the show as well. And it just remains for me to say thank you so much for joining me for it as always. And may the force be with you wherever in the world you may be. Seven is not endorsed or sponsored yet by Lucasfilm Limited, Disney, or 20th Century Fox, and is intended for entertainment and information purposes only. Star Wars, the Star Wars logo, all names and pictures of Star Wars characters, vehicles, and any other Star Wars-related items are registered trademarks and or copyrights of Lucasfilm Limited, but their respective trademark and copyright holders may the force be with them. All original content is copyright 2021 by Star Wars 7x7. We hope you love it.